Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 16 of my podcast. It's me Jill and today I am flying solo and I want to talk about a topic. Um, now it is more of an educational one so if you're a coach I really hope that you get something out of this and if you're an athlete I hope it kind of hits a few um, or switches a few light bulbs on so that you kind of have a clearer understanding of maybe the reason why you're doing certain things in the gym that your coach has maybe asked you to do. Um, and like everything, I think the more educated and the more aware you are and the better understanding of the why and what and how whenever you're doing certain things, then the more the more adherence that you can also build and more often or not, the more motivated that you can be to actually, um, you know, do the sessions that you are meant to be doing. So I want to talk about design and resistance training programs to sort of improve muscular fitness. Um, so weight training and, and weight training, obviously in a gym environment um, for, for many, many years in sort of the sport field, it's played an integral role in um, in their training program. And a lot of, you know, high performance teams more often than not have have specific strength and conditioning coaches that will come in and they will design a particular program for them um, to ensure that they are, you know, strong and strong to perform the particular sport that they're doing. And, and more often than not, you know, it tends to follow um, sort of a similar pattern in terms of, of needs and that the fact that their, their strength training throughout the year is planned using something called periodization, where they will do different types of strength training during the year um, that will prepare them for their particular event and how that looks will be based upon you know um, or will, will be built after like a full needs analysis has been done of that particular athlete to ascertain okay what are the what are the key qualities or what are the key fitness components that we need to enhance to make them perform better and there are many different schools of thought out there and, you know, more techniques are, are being applied to, to training. And I think that's the most beautiful thing um, about the fitness industry is that there's more, um, more techniques being tried and, and tested and, you know, and, and coming out. And more often than not, whenever you're a coach, it's then up to you to choose the most appropriate one that's going to fit for your athlete. Um, and again individuality plays a massive part in any program. So what is strength? It's often funny that more often than not, whenever I have conversations with clients, I ask, you know, what are your goals? And every single person, you know, I want to be strong. And you're like, okay. And maybe 14 years ago, when I was kind of new to the industry, I would have taken that and been like, yep, I know what she means. I want to be strong. But then look at it like, oh, well, you know, I'm hungry. Okay, but, you know, how hungry are you? Are you hungry for a small snack or are you hungry for a big meal? And then, okay, well, what are you going to have? What are the ingredients? You know, what, what's the meal going to be made up of? And that's, that's kind of the same with strength training. So from a coaching perspective, my first tip of this podcast, because I'm sure there'll be some other ones coming out here as I kind of... Um, continue on but it's to get so specific with either clients goals or the sport that your athlete is looking to participate in and what I mean by that is that you need to do a very comprehensive um, needs analysis of of the sport and you know when you look at a needs analysis there's certain things that obviously you need to take into consideration one being you need to look at, you know, the movements and the activities and, you know, what they're going to be doing in that particular performance. Because when you look at that, that, that key variable, when we look at training programs, we need to look at specificity. And, and if the, the movements or the activities that you're performing are not specific to the event, then there's going to be no transfer. And, you know, you're not going to have your athlete in the best possible position to perform. So, make it as specific as possible to the movements, activities and performance actions of the particular sport. The second thing is obviously to ensure that we understand 
you know, what is needed of them in their actual sport. So again, if you take, for example, you know, if you're training a football player, um, you kind of need to have a good idea of obviously depending on the position that they play, you know, what is the distance that they normally travel in a match? Okay. And what, how is that broken up? Are they constantly running at the same speed or do they need, you know, variable speed speeds to, to, you know, to perform well? Um, and this information is all out there for you. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's not hard to find, but there's something that you should know so that if you only ever have your, your football player, you know, running, you know, two kilometers or the opposite, or you have them running really long distance when they don't necessarily need it, then they're not going to be match fit. The next one you would obviously want to understand, well, what are the, what are the key movements and sort of really have a good understanding of the biomechanics of that sport. So what are, what muscle actions, you know, what joint actions are occurring whenever they are moving, you know, what are the muscles that need to be targeted, what type of strength is needed, and this is specifically what we're going to be talking about, you know, but what type of strength is required for that particular sport, what type of contractions are mostly used, um, and then obviously the, the, the last two part would be trying to determine sort of what the, the physical um, and physiological requirements are going to be. So when we talk about, when we talk about the physical aspect of it, um, you know, it might be more in terms of, you know, output. So, you know, what type of strength is required? Do they have to throw something one time? Is it a repeated effort? And then that can kind of guide you in the right direction of which particular, you know, part of the force velocity curve would your athlete be best primed? Um, and in the physiological requirements, so physiological requirements are things such as, you know, aerobic system, you know, um, the, the internal effects of that particular sport. So, you know, is it uh, a very, very fast sport where we need to ensure that they can, you know, work hard enough at a high level, but also recover quick enough? Um, and the last part is obviously to determine sort of your, your common injury sites to ensure that um, those don't become an issue. I know I've kind of went off on a tangent there, but it needs analysis, but I think this kind of like lays the foundation for um, the next part um, of our of our particular talk, which is obviously designing resistance training program to improve that there, um, to improve the discipline. Um, so the effectiveness of a resistance training program is obviously to have a specific outcome. So what are we wanting to achieve? By this particular program are we looking to develop muscular endurance so muscular endurance um, by definition is the muscle's ability to repeat at a submaximal level over and over and over again and obviously the fitter that we get the loads that we're using there obviously increase as we get fitter stronger faster um, and that um, muscular endurance sort of lies at the far right end of the force velocity curve um, and then as we move up it we have got hypertrophy uh, hypertrophy is that sort of in-between strength um, strength parameter um, is often used a lot by bodybuilders. Um, hypertrophy tends to elicit the most um, growth gains in terms of muscle size. Um, so obviously from an aesthetics point of view is preferred. And then we have sort of our power, which can either be sort of the plyometric side. So you can either have you know, the, the, the slow stretch short cycle or the fast short stretch cycle, depending on the different type of exercises that you're choosing. Um, and then we have maximum strength, um, which is sort of the, the, the top end. And as you kind of move up the force velocity curve, the, the intensity of the exercise tends to increase. And as intensity tends to increase, there tends to be a lot more um, neuromuscular work required um, and that's more often or not why um, as a beginner starting out you would tend to start at the lower end of the spectrum um, so that your body has time to kind of build up a tolerance to the you know the fatiguing products but also the new movements you know they're not alien so you're, you know you're developing your neuromuscular system but just at a lower intensity so that whenever you do hit the high intensity, you're able to do so with, you know, good recall um, and good ability to produce good movement patterns as well. So designing your, your resistance program, um, we need to understand that in order to design one, there are acute program variables that we manipulate. 
and those would be the type of muscle action that we would create. So when a muscle contracts, it contracts concentrically. When the muscle gets shorter with load, um, we have eccentrically whenever the muscle handles the load, but the muscle lengthens. Um, and then we have isometric. Obviously, it's a, it's a, sort of a, a static contraction of the muscle. Um, and then we have our loading and our volume. Okay, not you know different between the two when we're talking about sort of intensity and also the number of reps and sets sort of within the, the workout. We have exercise selection and order. And there are a few um, papers out there and it talks about exercise selection and order that might be preferred for certain things. Um, and this is where, you know, I love, <laughs> I love that, um, you know, there are new things coming out all the time. And I often feel that, um, that CrossFit um, tends to neglect this variable where, um, and what most research would be saying where that, you know, in order to get the most, you know, output from a session, you would choose bigger exercises at the beginning, um, and then lesser exercises at the end. Um, and more often or not, sometimes you'll see workouts where, you know, you're maybe doing something, for example, like a big buy-in of like a mile run, and then you're hitting something a lot harder, um, and the bigger exercises at the heavier loads are done at the end of the workout. And, you know, on paper, you might be thinking, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong. Well, well, it's not. I mean, that is the sport of CrossFit. You need to be good to be able to do that. And the only way to do that is obviously by being specific and practicing these types of training sessions or these workouts, sort of a simulation of it, um, so that you are able to still produce the energy and the most and the biggest possible force at the end of doing, um, you know, something else before the big exercises type of thing. Um, we'd have our rest periods. So rest periods are very, very important. Um, again, rest periods are something that can be manipulated in order to achieve overload within the session. Um, but as we would move higher up the force velocity curve, when the intensity is higher, um, I would say manipulating rest periods would be something that you might not want to do. Um, I definitely say you could get away with it at the lower end where the intensity is is low enough, but whenever you're moving higher up and it's more intense, again, there is more of a central nervous system effect um, and the, the central nervous system can take a little bit longer to recover. And also when you're working at a high intensity, you want to make sure that you're not going into it fatigued um, or in any way underprepared. You're just putting yourself at a more at-risk position for an injury. Then we look at obviously repetition velocity, um, something that you might often see, um, you know, in training programs is, is it's tempo training. So manipulating the time in which the muscle is loaded under tension. So, you know, you've got the eccentric phase. How long am I, you know, descending down? Um, you know, what count? What am I holding at the bottom isometrically and then concentrically up to the top? Um, and the last one we're then we'll be looking at frequency. So how often am I training? during the week. Um, but the key training principles that will underlie each and every one of those variables is, is overload. How are we overloading? You know, week on week, we are ensuring that each session, our, our athlete is, you know, achieving, achieving that he is being overloaded, unless there has been a specific time in the training program where that is not the objective and more often or not that that can be seen at times where recovery days have been put in recovery days are very very important um, when we look at um, sort of the you know the fitness fatigue model or the general adaptation syndrome that whenever it's only whenever the body recovers can it come back to produce the same and if not more through something called super compensation we want to make sure that we're progressing the session sort of week on week um, either that by either be, be that by sort of intensity, um, time, or perhaps even frequency of our exercises. We want to make sure that we're obviously allowing time for adaptation. That's where our recovery comes in. So making sure that 
our sessions throughout the week are balanced so that there is just enough intensity but also sufficient recovery time um, not only out of the gym but also things that they're doing outside um, you know that that's equally as important we have to apply specificity like we said before you know if you're not being specific with the exercises that you're choosing or the particular loading parameter or the strength program that you're using then you're never really going to have your athlete be in the best possible position so it's very very important that you get specific um, obviously cater for individual um, individualization again again very very important because not two people are the same um, you know a program that works well for one person may not just have the same gains as it does somebody else and that's where you as a coach you kind of have to go in and see well what else is happening in their life are they are they feeling well are they resting well do they have sort of lifestyle stressors that are affecting their ability to recover sleep all of these factors need to be taken into consideration so guys whether you're a coach or an athlete always understand you know that there has to be individualization applied to your program uh, and more often or not I mean, just speaking from personal experience, um, when I start working with an athlete, this is something that, that tends to happen not in the first day. It tends to happen, I'd say, at least a month after proper training with each other. Can you understand sort of how they respond to certain things where you're looking at the information that you're getting back after each session? So from a, like from a qualitative standpoint, how are they feeling? And then looking at the quantitative data. So if they're saying, oh, that, you know, that felt, I, I felt fine. I pushed really, really hard. But on paper, you know, that they, they haven't stuck to the parameters that you've said that they have. You know, um, you know, if it was meant to be an easy run and they said it felt easy, but actually on paper, you know, they, that, that just wasn't the case. Um, you need to be able to understand that. And then also maintenance. So the, the, the objective obviously is to always maintain and progress fitness as opposed to lose at any particular time. And this all comes down to putting together a very clear annual training plan for your athlete that they their fitness continues to increase at times and at times where, like everything, you can't just keep going up, 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 up. There has to be times where, you know, things be dialed back to rest a little bit to come back fitter stronger and faster so um moving on and i just want to target each one of the sort of the muscular fitness i'd say um parameters um where we look at them on on a curve of how much force is produced for each one so specifically talking about your, your force velocity curve. So on the far right of your force velocity curve, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at muscular endurance. Um, so muscular endurance would be sort of, you know, low loads with higher repetitions, shorter rest periods at a lower intensity of your one rep max again great for endurance great for development of type one muscle fiber types great for beginners whenever they start training because it enables them to lift loads that are light enough so that they can develop good movement patterns good movement techniques and the skill that's required to perform the exercise as well um, you know muscular endurance is something that is often embedded throughout um, the annual training program depending on where an athlete is on their training um, so that that would be our our muscular endurance and then if we start to move up sort of that curve um, we then move towards sort of hypertrophy um, and again hyper hypertrophy tends to be um, sort of that eight to 12 rep max where intensity would be um, intensity would be higher and rest periods would be slightly longer than it would in um, than your muscular endurance and with hypertrophy or functional hypertrophy 
it tends to be, as I said, the go-to for um, for bodybuilders, um, basically because of the the effects that it sort of has on on growth hormone. That growth hormone ten, tends to be produced at a at a higher rate when we're working within that repetition realm, um, which is always something that always made me laugh. Um, especially with with females and I guess it's maybe just a bit of an bit of an ignorance thing but most most females tend to navigate towards always lifting sort of 12 repetitions and I guess well if they were really hitting a pure 12 rep max you know unbeknown to them or they said that they you know they didn't want to bulk up or they didn't want to grow muscle um, they were in fact actually doing that and I always kind of I was kind of chuckle a little bit um, to myself <laughs> in terms of that um, but again, uh, hypertrophy is something that, you know, your bodybuilders would tend to be, would tend to navigate to, to kind of develop most of their training or sort of have most of their training in the round, um, basically because it does have the biggest effect on the growth hormone. We know that growth hormone stimulates, obviously, the growth of the muscle. Uh, bigger muscles leads to, you know, more aesthetics and displaying um, all of, um, of the muscles in their, in their beauty on them when they step on stage. Um, slight caveat there, they probably do, um, you know, do a lot of nutritional manipulation in and around that. Um, but then maybe that's something for another, <laughs> another podcast to come on to. So moving up again from your functional, functional hypertrophy, you tend to move into that reactive strength phase where we would be looking sort of at um, reactive strength and an explosive strength. Um, both of which um, might be seen sort of in that plyometric stage where there is a very, very, um, you know, where there is a lot of uh, eccentric, um, or the eccentric, uh, e eccentric work followed by a very, very fast explosiveness of, um, of the concentric. Um, you tend to develop um, a lot more, um, I'd say, power, tendon, stiffness, um, training these two particular areas of strength. Um, and again, depending on the type of that, um, again, very, very intense in nature, definitely more along the central nervous system that you are fatiguing in that. So again, longer recover, recovery periods are needed whenever we're training reactive and explosive strength. And then we have our max strength, um, and max strength would be sort of that one to five rep max, very, very high in terms of where you're targeting percentage-wise if you're one rep max. Repetitions would be low, sets would be high, rest periods would be would be long. Um, and that pretty much covers the continuum of, of strength. Um, and the main take-home there from, from that is where... In, where intensity is high in terms of the load, the repetitions will always be low, the rest periods will always be high, and they should probably stay there. As we move further down, the less intense that the, that the exercise has in terms of loading, um, the repetitions will start to increase, the rest periods will start to decrease, and um, the, particularly towards the lower end, where you start manipulating rest periods um, is something that that you can look at as opposed to whenever you're sort of working at a higher higher um, intensity. So that's that that's our continuum. Um, and the last couple of bits that I wanted to talk about was um, was sort of exercise exercise order. Um, so the there has been um, quite a bit of research done in terms of you know what is the best particular order to um to sort of conduct your exercises um you know should it be um should i do my primary exercises or my assistance exercises first should i target multi-joint exercises first or single joint um you know which one is going to give me the best possible results you know at the end of of the session um and again, there's there can be merit to both types of training as long as you can explain the reason why. And I kind of touched on that at the beginning with regards to the CrossFit athlete. So, if they really need to get good at muscle ups after hitting, you know, you know something like a mile run, 
you know, you know, a high volume, moderately high um, uh, loading of like power cleans and then being able to, you know, batter out, you know, some strict muscle ups at the end. If their sport calls for that, then they need to be able to be prepared for that particular one. Um, and again, some research that has been conducted, one that effect, that examines sort of the effect of performance um, on exercise order um, in men, particularly most of the, the research studies tend to do, um, where one sample progressed from large muscle to small um, in terms of sort of um, um, legs and, and upper body. Um, and vice versa, the, the other sample trained smaller muscle groups first. Um, and there was the significant effects sort of indicated that the squat and the tricep press, uh, the, the, the two exercises that they started with, whether they started with the, the smaller muscle group or the largest muscle group, were significantly better when they executed first. Um, so again, that just really indicates that whatever your A exercise is for that particular session, that you probably want to conduct it, conduct it first. Um, so that would be, that would be kind of the key thing there. Um, another paper I also indicated that when you perform sort of larger muscle, muscle mass, multi-joint exercise early in the workout, um, there has been a more significant elevation in, in growth hormones, um, as opposed to starting with the small exercises first. So again, understanding you know the reason why what you want to get out of the session can help you you know select the correct order for your particular um your particular training program and um, a lot of the times some of the questions that, that we would get is you know how often you know should we train um and here we're kind of talking a little bit about the frequency of it and you know that refers to the number of training sessions that you're completed within a given time um, again, the training session, you know, we need to be able to recover in between. So, you know, the newer we are, the probably less frequent we are to train, um, as opposed to an athlete where you might see that they actually train multiple times per day, but they didn't just wake up one day and do that. Again, they have progressed in a way that they have built up, um, the ability to be able to do that and to recover well from that. And it's probably also their full-time job so they eat sleep and they breathe that training and that's what we would um you know tend to do there has been a number of, of studies that carry it out and they've kind of used that frequency of two to three times per week especially with untrained individuals and that tends to be the most effective initial frequency so again if you're new and you're starting out two to three times per week um tends to be kind of the sweet spot in terms of of frequency um but then again, the more conditioned, the more trained that we get, you might often see that frequency increase anywhere whenever we look at sort of competitors and they were up to five to seven days. Um, you know, important whenever you're first starting out, that recovery is there. So, you know, erring on the side of caution and the two to three times a week would definitely be something that would be um, probably very beneficial as opposed to going in and doing something every every single day um and yeah so i mean kind of wrapping that up um you know resistance training massively popular um you know there's more and more research coming out to understand you know what is the best approaches when it comes to resistance training um we know that it is massively beneficial you know it helps improve sort of muscular fitness um, you know, it helps prevent and can manage certain sort of pathological conditions, you know, you know, with, our, with regards to the bones and, you know, our nervous system as well. Um, you know, it is recommended by sort of governments and health organizations all over the world, you know, to, you know, to, to improve health. Um, but what we need to do is obviously apply it and apply it right. And as a coach, the onus is on us to really you know, understand the needs of each person that is sitting in front of us um, and how we would practically apply that to their particular to their particular program. And I mean, if you're a coach and, and you're listening to this, I, you know, I really hope that you've taken 
one or, or two small things away from it and also not to be massively um you know freaked out that you know sometimes you don't know well you know more often than not if you have a, if you've been an athlete or a client coming to you with with a new goal and you don't know anything about it that's our job we need to go out and we need to research it so we need to be able to find the information analyze it critically analyze it take what we need from it and then apply it to our client see the response see the feedback understand as long as you kind of adhere to the basic fundamental principles of, of program design in terms of you know your your intensities your reps and your sets and, and all that there and you're getting as much feedback from your client um, after each session um, each week each month um, are the tests that you're conducting to assess them are they are they moving in the right direction are they not moving in the right direction so you know taking in absolutely everything that you can this is something that I'm kind of like massively passionate about. Um, I really love learning new approaches when it comes to, to training. I personally have seen the positive effects of strength training when applied correctly. I've also seen personally the negative effects of a program that has been maybe not structured in a way that suited um, what the goal was and also perhaps doing things that I couldn't really explain the reason why apart from I just wanted to go in and do a, a workout so you know if that's resonated with you as well just take a step back reach out to your coach and uh, embrace the strength training that's what I'm going to say and that's where I'm going to leave it up so guys thanks very much for listening I hope that you've enjoyed it and until next week, guys, stay healthy.